0: So, we're grateful for what God has done and how he has called our name, and the um, one verse or the one song that we were singing spoke about how that we'll find out who we are, you know, how that God will help us to find out who we are. Well, this morning, um, the title of the message, Lessons from the Book of Esther, now, We've done the book of Esther a couple of times. We have did it on Wednesday night and we've also, you know, had a couple of messages on uh, Esther and, and the book. But this morning we're looking at a couple of lessons that we can find in the book of Esther. So when looking at the life of Esther, you see the hand of God. We see God moving to engage a person to the point that she is taken out of her elements of life out of the familiar and placed in a position to change the fate of her people. Now, it's, 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 if you don't know the book of Esther, we know that there was a, As we'll, we'll bring it up again as we move through the message, but Esther was, um, we'll back up a little bit, King Xerxes was, had a problem with his wife, the queen. And so we don't know exactly what it was, or well, some commentaries have, have suggested what it might have been. But anyhow, it ends up there's a beauty contest and Esther is chosen to be in it. Now it wasn't one of those things where everybody, oh let me be the queen. No, they went out and drafted these people. Because once you entered into this contest or entered into this agreement, you were never allowed you were part of the harem of the king. <laughs> so you've <laughs> you've you know you're just in one of 100 or um, one of a 500, you know. So, anyhow, Esther was one of these individuals that was different in the sense that she was living with her cousin because her parents had been killed. And she is not a wealthy person, she's just uh, pr- probably an ordinary working uh, family that she comes from. And suddenly we find that she is taken from that environment and placed in the palace. And she's in the palace for a year, entering, you know, to be prepared for the presentation to the king. So it was not a calling from God. So Esther is not an individual like Isaiah or Jeremiah or the other prophets where they had this this call of God on their life to go and, you know, Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. Esther had, had no calling of God to leave her family or her surroundings. It was a mandate from the authorities that were over her. So somebody else was governing the movement of her life. And then we have it was completely changed by it completely changed her life and it completely changed the nation, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. So here we are and this is where we see the divine providence of God how that God can step in and move people and bring situations around to put them in a place that he has called them to be. It is a progression, it is a process, excuse me, it is a progression of events that Esther began with the Lord when working through the uncertainties of her life. Now, I think of Joseph, in the life of Joseph, how that, this this is one of those divine providences where his brothers don't like him, throw him in a, throw him in a, the pit or in the well, and they're going to leave him there to die and instead they sell him as a slave you know and then the process of being a slave in Potiphar's house, framed by Potiphar 's wife, goes to prison he 's in prison, but every place he goes, he excels at being his best. This is the challenge that we find that when when the when the uncertainty of life moves us in in different places we must strive to be our best we must strive to be the best person that we can because Joseph in the house of Potiphar he he rose from being this slave to being in charge of Potiphar's house and then whenever he was in prison he rose to be chief of the prison he made the prisons profitable And then, of course, we see him ending up in the, as, as second in command of the nation of Egypt. So, so what do we do when life challenges us with things that we have no control over? That's where we find our faith. That's where we find situations that we are engaged in. And life controls, life is taking control of us. And we wonder, what on earth are we going to do? So, when uncertainty knocks the props out from underneath you. (laughs) So, I thought that was nice imagery, right? Knocks the props out. Anybody know what props are? Things that hold you up, you know? (laughs) Uh, I always think of these uh, large, large, these basketball players that they're, you know, six, six, seven foot, you know, tall, and they've got some long legs, and... uh, What do you do, you know, knock the props out from underneath them? They go down hard. And so it becomes a file to do those things, you know. So you you can't knock their props out. So anyhow, we could call this uh, Joseph's process. We could call it Mary's process, you know, the mother of Jesus. We could call it Esther's process or Peter's process. Because all of these individuals found themselves being changed or challenged to go in a direction that they had very little control over. So we see the process being played out in the life of many characters in the Bible, and today we're going to see how this plays out in the life of Esther. It is a process. God's people have, to, uh, have been going through this throughout the Bible. The sovereign acts of God. You know, did you ever wonder what, are, what the sovereign acts of God are? You know, we we make decisions, we make choices, you know, there are things that come our way and we make choices. Then there are things that we don't know about come our way and we're just kind of shoved off in that direction. Well, that's the divine part of God working working in our life. You know, I think back over the years of, um, you know, for going to college, you know, I I started late in high school, deciding that I should go to college, and then, you know, started out and went to the guidance counselor. And I said, "Well, okay, I I took the I took the college courses. Now where do I go?" She says, "Well, there's this school in West Virginia. Maybe you could go to." (laughs) And of course, that's where I met Rhonda. And she was at another college, and of course, she's bright. And she's at another college taking summer courses. You know, sometimes you, you go take summer courses so that if you, you get the right grade, you can come back in the fall. Well, somehow they got Rhonda's, her grades, mixed up with those who were coming back in the fall, and they said, you can't come back in the fall. And so she went to Salem. Imagine that. Boom. Fifty years we've been together. That had to be a divine process. <laughs> Yeah, she she met me the second day she was there, and we won't go into that. So anyhow, the process that we see with Esther is a four-part process, which is listening, feeling, doing, and speaking. Listening, feeling, doing, and speaking. It's practice we can develop as we learn things and new things about God and his word. We face uncertainties safely in his hands, and when we are put in these places where the divine sovereignty of God is, uh, is acting out, we need to look at it, feel it, listen to it, feel it, do it, and speak it. So, a little background. The book of Esther takes place following the Jewish um, capture by Babylon. Babylon goes in, takes the, the captures the Jewish people, takes over Jerusalem, brings everybody to uh, Babylon. Well... At the end of that, the Medes and the Persians come in, conquer the Babylonians. And we have Xerxes, who is the, the king of the Medes. And so uh, Xerxes, his wife, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't come in before him in the, the crowd of people. He's putting a party on for six months. And his, his wife won't come in, so he exiles her and says, You're not going to be queen anymore. And they decide to put a beauty contest together. And that's how we have the book of Esther. So Esther's community in Persia uh, didn't start the return to to Israel, to Jerusalem. And so it's interesting to note in the book of Esther, it doesn't name God. God's name is not mentioned in the book of Esther. But we, we have the motives and we see the hand of God working for the nation of Israel and for Esther and all those involved with her family. I wonder if they believe some of the untruths about God. Because if you look at circumstances, the circumstances dictated God doesn't care about us because we, were, we are a conquered people. God doesn't care about us because our city is destroyed. God doesn't care about us because our temple is destroyed. And, you know, everything about our land is gone that we knew. So if they were looking at the circumstances, they would, they would think, you know, Where's God in all of this? But that's where we have to stop. We have to listen. At what time is it that we begin to believe that God has vanished? When did we start thinking that God isn't really there? When do we see the maybe it's because we see the consequences of our sins that they finally catch up to us. We're removed from all that's comfortable. We can't hear the voice or sense God's presence. Threats are coming from all directions, and there's no rescue yet in sight when dreams turn to ashes. Like, these are the human things that cause us to kind of lose focus and lose perspective. All of those circumstances had come to pass in the life of Esther and in her community, and they all added up to a mound of uncertainties, None of this can be trusted, none of us can be going back, and it's all a matter of hoping. The truth that we have to cling to during these times of, of uncertainty is this, God is with me. You see, the certainty of God isn't a feeling, it, it can be a feeling, but it is a law imprinted in our hearts. God has promised He will never leave us nor forsake us. So no matter what the feeling, no matter what the circumstances, God is with me. End of story. Well, what about this? There is no whatabouts. It's this is it. God is with me. He will see me through this. End of story. That's how that's all it is. If you want to be like Jonah, get on a boat, sail the opposite way. I bet there's a storm coming. <laughs> And there's a fish coming, and that big fish is going to swallow you up, bring you back to where you need to be, providence of God. You see, God has a providence, a place for us. (laughs) It's not the song, There's a Place for Us, There's a Time. I won't sing that either. So we find that these are places that God has, and so we have to see that God is with us, and he has a way of bringing us back on course because he has a plan. He has a purpose for who we are. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6. God says that he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. We need to imprint that in our minds. (laughs) We need to highlight that in our Bibles. We need to put it on a three by five card and stick it on the refrigerator. God says that he never leaves us. He will never forsake us. He will never abandon us. The biblical truths are not feelings sometimes we feel safe and secure with all that but they're not feelings the biblical truths are certainties they are divine laws divine promises that cannot be broken by God so God was there in Persia with Esther and When the king was threatening to annihilate all of her, all the Jewish people, he's here with us in all the threats and all the difficulties of our world. Our invisible God isn't hiding. (laughs) Sometimes he's standing in our blind spot. We don't know he's there, but he is. He's beckoning us to watch. He's beckoning us to see the effects of his hand. You know, Did you ever, you know, if you ever go to a lake or something that's very calm and still and somebody throws a rock in it, you hear the splash and you see the ripples? Well, you may not see the rock enter, but you hear the splash and you see the ripples. That's how the hand of God is. We may not see the hand of God working, but there is the known fact that we hear the splash, we hear the word and we see the ripple effect of what God is doing in our life and, and, and what's going on around us. And if you ever tried to stop the ripples, <laughs> it's impossible. They'll just go right across the whole lake. That's how God is working in our world. But guess what? He's doing that through us, through you, his children, that he has a place and a time, and he has a way of working in our lives. Esther didn't have a choice. <laughs> she was thrown into this competition, by the king. She was thrown into this situation by by a higher authority. Later she did have a choice. When it came to saving her own people she could have pulled back and said that won't touch me I'm queen. Uh, But she didn't. She was living in an environment that was foreign to her. She never dreamt of what it was like to be in the palace. Now she's living in a palace, she's living there, and she has a, a year of preparation to go through before she's presented to the king. The first lesson that Esther has to learn is listening. Did you hear that? <laughs> the first lesson that Esther has to do is listen. She consulted and listened to someone who knew what she needed to know. There's always, people, there's always people who have more knowledge than who we are. There's always people who are capable of giving us insight. And for Esther, that was the eunuch who was in charge of all of the, the ladies who were going to be presented to the, to the king. He was the guy who knew most about the king. And Esther sought his advice. So before her presentation, Esther 2.13 says... that each of the women was given whatever she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. So what do you choose? (laughs) What do you know what the king likes and dislikes? Esther had no clue, so she trusted this eunuch. And so each woman had to live a minimum of one year in this environment. And then Esther's wisdom was that she needed to understand what she didn't know. She needed to understand what she she did not know. And as she listened, she discovered the power of influence. (laughs) As she listened, she discovered the power of influence, the power of what a queen could be. (laughs) She wisely chose to get close to Haggai, the keeper of the women in the palace. Her action in asking for advice said, I don't know what I need to know. You do. Teach me, direct me, guide me. Everything, every day, every lesson is there for us, and there is something for us to learn. There is something for us to grow. And she listened. <laughs> she, she was a, um, a humble person. She was willing to learn to surpass, to come to the top. Where she was at. Joseph was the same way. He learned to to be his best in whatever situation he found himself in. Listen, feel, do, speak. She became queen. Success. But she found out that Haman, (laughs) I was Haman is a hangman. (laughs) If you go through the book of Esther, Haman has a plot. He hates the Jews. He's an Agite. And Agites were longtime enemies of the Jewish people. And Haman wanted to kill all of the Jews in the Persian Empire. And guess what? Israel is part of the Persian Empire. So he wants to eradicate all Jews in the Persian Empire. So Esther, instead of standing aloof and pretending and pretending, um, protecting herself from all of these happenings, she felt the grief of her people and the loss that they faced. She was feeling what was going on for the people and the great agony that would happen to all of her people and to God's promise that through this nation all the world would be blessed. There was this feeling. At the risk of her own life, She stepped up to intervene with the king, so she is now doing something. She now decides to go into the king and to speak. (laughs) Fourth lesson. To speak on behalf of the people. And so we find that even though supernatural miracles are absent in this story, there's no separating the Red Sea. There's no manna that comes from heaven. There's, you know, nobody is raised from the dead. There is... That it is the ongoing revelation of a person in need playing out the, the everyday life, <laughs> can you call it an everyday life, of moving from one place to the palace to queen to finding out that you're the nation of Israel, the Jews, are all going to be killed. You see, we are, we are the same. There are steps that we take. they are amazing steps that we take. When we listen to God and seek his counsel, we will hear what he has to say, listening. We let pain point us to the problems that are in God's heart, feeling. What does God feel about this? Then we act, converting our time and our resources into righteous doing. We do something good with what is there. And finally, we speak up for the people and issues on God's, on God's heart. We speak what would be the heart of God to that situation. There are shift in our lives. We move from uncertainty to influence. There is a shift going on in who we are as a person. It takes us from one place to another and we have to turn to see what is going on. It is a divine shift. So... Esther went through this divine shift of being with her, her cousin living in in no one say poverty maybe middle class and she moves from that to the palace and from the palace to the queen. Hmm, that's quite a shift. Uncertainty in our lives are only opportunities. Opportunities for this relationship with God because he is the good shepherd. He, who, who leads his sheep. He is the good shepherd that seeks his sheep. He is the father, the father who, who longs for his son to return. So uh, when, our, when our plans fall, when our plans come to nothing, we can't discern what our next step can be. We find that when we believe that our relationship with God will flourish... Uncertainty will cause us to be vulnerable, but faith will cause us to stand firm. And so when we find that this space of uncertainty, one of the best tools that we have when we stand in this place of uncertainty is that we read the book of Esther. (laughs) We read the book, read about Joseph. But more than that, we write out how God has been with us through our other times of of trial and discord in our life. So what did Esther do? Esther didn't tackle her circumstances by herself. Chapter 4 verse 15 says, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights, or day. And and." I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Doing what she seemed to be right in the eyes of God is where we find Esther. (laughs) So, listen, feel, do, speak. (laughs) Simple principles but ones that we have to pay attention to in our life because uncertainties come. Psalm 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So the things of scripture, there are many voices in our head, but there is a time for God to speak and his word to speak to us. I have a, um, a clip for you to watch and it's about eight minutes long but if those who are watching aren't able to see it, it's called the voice flying without a pilot. So I'd like to, to listen, think about these four things, listening, feeling, doing, speaking. <laughs> yes. You see, we have a, a voice, and it's the spirit of God that speaks to us, and listen, feel, do, and speaking We think of the pilot, but I also thought of the traffic controller, who was listening, who was feeling, who was doing and speaking to bring him home. And I think of in our own lives, it's the very thing God is listening to our hearts cry. He feels what we feel. He is doing something about it in his divine sovereignty, and he speaks to us through his word and is the Holy Spirit. And it is in this place, we see it in Esther, we see it in Joseph, hopefully we see it in us, that we are his child, he will never leave us nor forsake us, and he always is bringing us home, (laughs) bringing us to that place where we find our rest in Christ. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you. We thank you for hearing our voice Lord, help us to hear yours. God, we confess our sin. Anything that would stand in the way of your voice speaking to us, whether we're focused on the storms or focused on the past or how did we ever get in this place, really not the problem. It's where we are right now and where we're going. And so we pray for your Holy Spirit to touch our life, for your forgiveness to Wash away the sin of our life. And God, may we rest in the comfort of knowing that you will bring us home. You will bring us onward in our walk with you. And God, you will take us to this place that you have for us in your sovereignty and in your will. Forgive us, Lord. Establish our hearts in peace and let us know that you are with us. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Listen, feel, do, speak. Amen? Amen.